Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, uh, chapter 2, beginning with, uh, with verse number uh, 39 uh, this morning. And uh, before we get to that, I want to read how the book of Luke uh, starts out. And uh, in the first uh, couple of verses, it says this, "...insomuch as many have undertaken to, uh, to compile a narrative of the things that which have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good for me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account uh, for you, most excellent Theopolis." That you may be that you may be certain concerning the things that you have been taught. Luke, we know, was a um, as a physician, and we get to see a lot of Luke in uh, his work that he did because he was uh, a follower in the missionary journeys of uh, of the Apostle Paul, and uh, he was very instrumental uh, in that work. And at some point in his life, uh, he took the time to just sit down and write to someone named a Theopolis. And we really don't know who he was or what his uh, position was, but obviously we see that he was a believer in the faith. And Luke, as being someone who at his point had actually seen Jesus for himself, we're not really sure if that he was someone who followed Jesus from the beginning or not, but he knew of Jesus and he knew of the resurrection, and he had got to follow the disciples, and he'd got to hear their teaching. And he says, you know what, Theopolis, I think it would be good if you would just for a moment, for the certainty of your faith, that you really get to hear the stories, that you really get to understand that these things were true, that they were actually witnesses, that these things that you hear about Jesus All these stories that you have been told by your various teachers are actually true. They actually existed in space and time. Jesus was actually a real person who walked upon this earth and who died on the cross and who rose again and appeared to the disciples and other witnesses as being alive and was seen as ascending to the Father. And what Luke wants us to understand and wants Theopolis to do that it's one thing for us to hear stories. It's one of us to be taught things in Sunday school, in a church on Sunday mornings, but it's another thing for us just to take the time to look through the accounts of these Gospels and in our own hearts and in our own lives to just walk with Jesus. Wouldn't that have been a great thing? Wouldn't you love to have been alive back then? that you would actually have the opportunity to walk with Jesus, to see him as he was a baby there in the manger, as we talk through the Christmas season, and as we will see him this morning growing up as a young man, and to see him teaching on the mountain, to see him confront the Pharisees, to see him work all these healings. What a great thing it is, would have been for us to walk with Jesus. And so that's what I want us to do this year. I want us to walk with Jesus. And so as we study through Luke this year, I pray that not only we listen to these sermons that are taught in our time as we come together on Sunday mornings, but us in our scripture uh, time will look at the Gospels and look at the book of Luke and see and imagine ourselves walking with Jesus 
and recognized him as someone who was real, who existed in a time in history, in space and time, and to get to know him for who he was and to encounter all the people that he encountered. Because as we look at Jesus, we see the example that he sets for what we ought to be in following God, that he was actually demonstrating in his life the character and the nature of God. And as we read those accounts about Jesus, we strive to be more like him. But as we see the people that he encountered, the sick and the lame and the demon-possessed, and even some of the Pharisees and some of the Sadducees and some of the disciples, we see more of ourselves. We see them in times like us struggling with their faith and struggling to know what it is that really God wants uh, us to be and struggling to find the will to live up to what God wants us to be as he teaches us things that seem foreign to the way that the world teaches us. And as he encountered people who are just like us, who are broken and hurting and who have physical needs and who have troubles of the mind and troubles of the heart and troubles of the eyes and troubles of the knees and troubles of the hips and troubles of the heart, as he ministers to them. So what a great time it is for us to be able to walk with Jesus. And our walk with Jesus this morning brings us to a time to which he was growing up. We see Jesus As a young man. And so as we read through these verses, we see not only what Jesus' young life was just like, as we see it in a small little glimpse. In just a few sentences, we get to hear about Jesus as a youth. May it lighten us, may it strengthen us, may it encourage us as to how we are to grow up in our faith in God as well. So let's read together in Luke chapter 2. We'll begin with verse number uh, 39, and we'll read this. And it says, And when they had performed everything concerning the law of the Lord, and returned to Galilee to their own town in Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, and, um, and that, that, but supposing that he would be with the group, they went on a day's journey. But they began to search for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you and were in great distress. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? Do you not know that I must be in my father's business? And they did not understand this saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was, uh, was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray, Lord, as we come and approach your word, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just come, Lord, and that you will teach us. 
Lord, that you will speak to each and every one of us here. Lord, that you will just cut to the chatter. Lord, you'll just cut to the noise. Lord, you'll just cut through all of the distractions. And Lord, that you'll speak to us. Lord, that each of us, Lord, will be tentative to what you have to say, Lord. Lord, that they're not listening to me this morning, Lord, but the words I speak are from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We see a few things about Jesus in these first uh, scriptures that we read here this morning. The first thing that we see about Jesus is that he grew up. He grew up. Isn't that something about Jesus? We think about him as the Son of God, and we think about who he was there upon the throne, and we think about how he was the agent. He was the mechanism by which all of the world was created. And he knew all things, and he saw all things, and he had all power. But yet he humbled himself, and he came upon this earth, and he became a little baby, and he became a boy, and he had to grow. He had to grow just like you and I did. He had to grow. He had to learn to talk. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn not to to, uh, to, uh, uh, stick his hand in the light socket. He had to learn all of those things. He had to grow. And so he had to experience life just as we did. He probably cried at night when he was a baby. He probably started fussing a little bit when he got hungry. And uh, he probably did all of these things, but he had to grow. He started out as a young baby, and he progressed, and he grew. And as the Scripture said, how he grew, that he grew in his wisdom, and he grew in his stature. That means he grew in the physical form, not only in the natural growth that progresses, but also as young men and young women, when we are younger, we're supposed to do things to make ourselves fit to make our bodies strong, and so that we can accomplish the work that's going to be needed of us when we're older. And so not only did he go through the path of uh, taking apart physical growth, but he also went the part of mental growth. He said that he grew in wisdom. That means he went to school and he had to, uh, he had to learn had to learn his ABCs. He had to learn his one, two, threes. He had to learn his, uh, his colors. He learned uh, under his father the skills of, uh, of carpentry. And he learned his mother the things maybe of manners and uh, of things of the home. And so he grew in his wisdom and understanding. And just as it was for Jesus, it's important for us that we are always growing. And it's important for us, uh, our young people, that we are growing and that they are growing not only in their physical sense, not only just simply letting the years grow by, but they're growing stronger and healthier, but and also in their mental state as they're growing more wiser, not only in school knowledge, but in their ability to handle life's questions and life's concerns and life's decisions that one day that they will have to make. You see, Jesus was growing, and growing is a part of Jesus' life, and growing is a part of our life. And so we should always seek in our hearts and our lives that we are always constantly growing in our wisdom, in our statue, that we're always growing that we're always growing in our understanding of the world, that we're always taking and looking for opportunities to learn new things and new skills. And he said that he grew in God's favor, 
And other in the scriptures, we, we see that he uh, it stated that he grew in wisdom and statue in favor of God and man. In other words, that he was meeting the criteria that not only that God would set before him in his life, but he also grew in the criteria in the favor of man, the standards that man set before him. So Jesus grew just like you and I grew or grow just like our children and our grandchildren grow. And that was a part of his young life. But we see that also a part of his young life, what was a part of it is that he worried his parents. Now, I don't know about if you, when you were a child, if you worried your parents. And I don't know if you have any of your kids in your house or any of your kids that have grown on and all they do is worry their parents. And I know that you may have grandchildren that worry their parents. And now that you're, they're just your grandchildren, you just kind of laugh when they worry their parents because it ain't your problem. But he worried his parents. There were times in which uh, Mary and Joseph was worried about him. And we come to an incident or we read a scenario, we read a story about Jesus when he was 12 years old. Now, 12 years old is an important, or was an important year for people back then. Because under... Uh, the law, when you became 13, or when you turned 13, you are now responsible for keeping the law. Now, uh, before then, uh, before that time, you were covered in a sense under grace. You are not responsible for keeping the law. And so even though that you would do things that would be contrary to law, uh, as a child, as someone who was under 13, you didn't have to make sacrifices or you didn't have to make atonement for that sin because you were, in a sense, covered under that grace. You were not considered to be uh, an adult. You were not considered responsible for those things. And this sort of sets precedent for us that as we think about the questions about what happens to children when they die, what happens to kids when they are young, you know, uh, and they don't know or they can't make a decision for Jesus Christ. We wonder what happens to them. And we read through these scriptures, and it, and it teaches us and enlightens us that, that the Lord and Christ is sovereign over salvation. And for those who are too young to make those decisions about right or wrong, to make those decisions of whether or not to follow Christ, are held under God's grace. So they get to go into uh, to heaven. But there comes a point of time, and we call this in our circles the age of accountability, to which they will be responsible for having to make a conscience decision to whether follow Christ or not. And if you look at most traditions, say like Methodists, the Presbyterians, and things like that, they will have a time when they are 12 years old to which they are taught into the ways of the church and who are taught by the wills of God, and they are actually having to make a conscience decision of whether or not to follow God. And that would be uh, called a time of, uh, of affirmation or reformation or a whatever term that they use for it. And even as Baptists, we sort of use this sort of loosely as what would the age of accountability would be. It would be around this sort of time, the time of which they were 12 and the time of which they were 13, to which they would actually be able to make those decisions. And so here comes the time as Jesus is 12, where he is under the time of strict of having to learn the law, to having to learn and develop understanding about what it means to follow God, because when he turns 13, he will begin his adult journey. He doesn't get to be a teenager. 
You know, he just get to go hang off at high school and ride his cars all over the place. Once he turns 13, he will be expected to be an adult. So this is a critical time of Jesus. It was the beginning of his adulthood. It was the beginning of him becoming an actual man. And so while he was 12, they take on his, their annual journey to the Passover. They were going to Jerusalem for the Passover. And uh, they would go in a, a whole group. So you figure like the whole town would leave from where they are in Nazareth, and there would be all the aunts and uncles and the grandfathers and the grandfathers and the cousins and the, all the brothers and sisters. And you would just go in this big parade caravan, and you would go down to Jerusalem. And that's what they did. And they go and they make their sacrifices and they have the Passover and uh, they're journeying back. And, you know, Jesus, they don't see Jesus, but they really aren't worried about it. You know, they're probably hanging with the cousins there in the back. You know, they probably with Uncle Ed or, or maybe they down with Grandma Bertha. You know, they just kind of hanging out. We're all in a group. And uh, finally they settle down and they get a day's journey and say, well, we need to, well, we need to find Jesus. Where, where is our boy? Where is where is he at? And you can just imagine the panic on their faces when they could not find Jesus, that they had actually left them behind. Now, have you ever left your kids behind? Or have you ever got left behind by your parents? Just that sense of loss, just that sense of panic that had to be in their hearts and had to be in their lives. And so they go frantically, you can imagine, Back to, uh, back to Jerusalem to find them. And they're searching. And they're looking at him for three days. And after three days, they found him. And where did they find him? They find him in the temple. And so Mary and Joseph look at him and say, Why have you treated us this way? Why have you caused us such distress. Now, I don't want to add words to Scripture that aren't there, but I can assume that there were probably some other words said that aren't really revealed in Scripture about that. And you can just imagine that if your kid had slipped off and you done search for him for, for three days, what kind of words would come out of your mouth when you finally found them? And you would probably say, I'm going to beat your rear end all the way from Jerusalem to Nazareth, and you will never, ever do this again. That would probably be our response. But Jesus said, gives them the answer. And he said, why don't you, why are you surprised? Why are you looking for me? Don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? What was Jesus doing in the temple. Jesus was there and he was sitting amongst the leaders. He was sitting amongst the experts of the law. He was sitting amongst the experts of scripture. And as he was listening to them, he was asking them questions. And as they were, he was asking them questions, they would answer him a question back and he would give them answers. And he was doing that process He was growing in his knowledge of God. And that's really how young people come to ascribe knowledge of God. And that's how young people, and it's how old people, how we are together and how we are to grow in our wisdom, in our knowledge of God. The first thing we have to do is we have to sit amongst 
the leaders. We have to sit amongst the experts. We have to sit amongst the wise and we learn from them. But too many times as uh, young people, and even too many times as believers, we hang around the wrong crowd. We want to be around our peers. We want to be around the people who want to cut up and goof off just like we are. And we don't really learn much from them except how to be a greater slacker. But what Jesus did is that he sat amongst the people who were wise. And we, in our hearts and our lives, we need to sit amongst the people who are wise. We need to sit amongst the people who know more than us. We need to sit ourselves among the people who can teach them. And as we listen to them, we need to ask them questions. And that's how we need to encounter God's Word in our hearts and our lives. We need to read it. We need to read and take the personal time to actually read of the Scripture. But we also need to take the time to consult amongst the experts, to consult amongst the wise, to consult amongst the people who have learned more about these things. And we do that when we come to church, and we do that when we come to Sunday school and sit amongst the teaching and the preaching. And we do that when we will take out our study Bible. And as we take out other books and we learn from those people and as they teach us about God's Word, and we also do it by not only learning those things, but also asking questions. And it's kind of some of the things that we don't really do as believers, that we'll read something about Scripture. And do we ever ask a question? What does that mean? What does that talk about? And sometimes we may ask a question, but we never really pursue its answer. We never really dig for that. But that was the process to which Jesus took to learn more about God's Word. He wanted to grow in his wisdom and knowledge of what God had to say. And so he was going through this process of learning from the teachers, but then he was going through the process of also teaching the teachers. You know, once you get with a young person, and you may know a lot to teach them, but if you get around and y'all start discussing, and y'all start answering and asking questions, a lot of times you'll learn something from them, won't you? And so it's important that this dialogue takes place, that we as older people, that we sit amongst the young people to teach them and to ask them questions and allow them to ask us and that we hear each other and we grow from one another. And that's what he did. But he said, Mama, Daddy, don't you know I'm to be about my father's business? You see, Jesus and his insight knew what his life was going to be all about, that he came down here to serve the Lord, that he came here to do only what God had told him to do, that he had his bucket list, he had his do list of things that God had for him to do, and his mind was set set squarely and focused on doing those things. And Jesus, even though that he was the Messiah, and even though he is Son of God, his life purpose was no different than what your and our purpose in life ought to be. We're here upon this earth. Yes, we're here to grow in wisdom and stature in favor of God and man, but really what we're here on earth to do is to be about the Father's business. We are his servants And we are to live our lives for his purpose. And so what would the Father's business be for us? 
What is it that we are supposed to be about in our lives? Well, we go and we strive to learn more and more about God. And we strive to live our lives in the way that God wants us to live them. We are conforming our hearts and our lives to the same image of our Creator, to the image of God that was displayed for us in Christ Jesus. That is what the Father's business is for us. And also the Father's business is for us is to make His name known. So how do we make His name known throughout the world? Well, we do that first of all in how we live our life. And everything that you do in your life sends a message to some people, that sends a message to the people around you. The way you dress sends a message. The way you groom yourself sends a message. The words that you say send a message. The people you hang around send a message. The tone you use sends a message. The words you use sends a message. The way you conduct your life sends a message. So everything in our hearts and everything that we do in our life sends a message. And we need to make sure that everything that we do sends a message that will in some way draw somebody close to God and not drive them away. But we also have to be the verbal witness. We have to share with other people about what Jesus Christ did for us to tell them how, you know, that we were lost in our sins and how, you know, that we're all separated from God and how we have a debt of sin that we cannot pay, but how Jesus came and he paid the debt that we cannot owe and that how he is there with us offering the gift of salvation and that one day we'll stand before the throne and be judged by our sins. And if we don't know him, if our sins have not been covered, then the punishment for those sins will be that we will spend eternity in hell. That's the message. That's the message that we need to send in the way that we live, and that's the message that we need to send as we speak it. But also God has personal things that he wants us to do. He has callings in our life. He has skills that he wants us to use. He's got places that he wants us to go and people he wants us to see. And so every morning we wake up, we need to ask God, God, what is it you want me to do? That we live our life constantly about the Father's business. So we see that, first of all, that not only did he grow, not only did he uh, trouble his parents, and not only that he was about the Father's business, but we read those last few verses, is that as he went back to Nazareth, he submitted to his parents, that he lived under their authority, that he respected them, that even though that he was the Son of God, even though that he was their Savior, he submitted himself to the parents. And that should be an example for us that we submit to those people who are around us, that we too submit ourselves to our parents just as Jesus did. You know, that even as young people, you know, one day you're going to grow off and you're going to go do something else. But uh, you're still to honor your mother and your father. And that's the example that Jesus set in his life. If anybody else as a 13-year-old would have had a reason to rebel against his mother and his father, it would be Jesus. But he didn't. And rather, he submitted himself to his mother and father. So may we submit ourselves to the authorities who are around us, that for the sake of God, that we put ourselves under the people that God has established as authorities in our hearts and our lives.
but most importantly, that we live our lives not in rebellion, but as in submission to God. Jesus, as a young man, grew. He grew in wisdom and knowledge, a favor of God and man. And it's the first thing that we need to understand as believers as we walk with Jesus. If you're going to walk to Jesus with Jesus, you're going to have to be willing to grow. You're going to have to be willing to change. You're going to have to be willing to ask tough questions. And how do we do that? How do we do that? We spend our time in God's Word. We spend our time surrounded by the wise, asking and answering questions to see what it is the Lord and how it is the Lord will have us live our lives every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for all the things that you blessed us with. Lord, this morning we're especially thankful for Jesus Christ and the example that he sets for us and how we are to follow you. So, Lord, I pray this morning that we'll commit our hearts and our lives to follow Jesus as he teaches us how to follow you. Lord, that we not be consumed by our preconceived notions about how the world's setting the example or how we think it should be done, but we submit ourselves fully to how you would have us live our lives. Lord, in every day of our life, regardless of how young and how old we are, every day we seek to be grow to grow more and more like you every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing, amen, invitation.